You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcasts. You watch it on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And it's a good thing you stuck with us because this team has become very interesting and very relevant. Quite a change from most Decembers in recent years. Anyway, big game on Sunday, so I'm going to bring on ESPN's Jordan Ronan to talk about the Giants. Get to know a team that Washington will be very familiar with over the next three weeks, playing them twice. And really, if they go in and if, if Washington can somehow sweep these games, huge, 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 huge for their playoff chances, of course. And that's why these games are, are really big and they're going to be a lot of fun. So stick around for a couple minutes and I'm going to bear with me for a couple minutes and then stick around for Jordan and he'll fill you in on the Giants. And again, Get to know, listen, I think after hearing him, you might feel a little bit better about these two games. But first, let's go over a couple of news and notes and nuggets from Wednesday's uh, practice, interview sessions, etc. I'm going to stick mostly to injuries here, but bear with me. So the first thing is corner Benjamin St. Juice did not practice on Wednesday. He, he did, he does have, what would be what I was told was a mid to kind of a low to mid ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain, but more of a mid. And so when you get that, you know, if you have a bad high ankle sprain, you're going to be out six to eight weeks. Something like this, it's just going to have to run its course. Um, I, I would not rule him out for Sunday. I don't know when he'll be back, but again, it's an it's basically an ankle sprain. So you know, we'll see if he's out there on Thursday and or Friday. Certainly, if he's not out there Friday, then you can write him off for Sunday. I will say, if he's going to miss a couple games, the Falcons last week and the Giants this week are games where you can afford to miss him just because of the receiving talent that those teams do not have, especially the Giants. Again, stick around for Jordan's insight because he'll tell you. He'll tell you what they have and they and really what they still don't have. So that's the update on St. Juice. Uh, left guard, excuse me, right guard Trey Turner did not practice. He has a knee and an ankle injury. Has been playing pretty well at, at guard ever since he came back off the injuries. So the interesting part here will be that if he doesn't go, Sam Cosme would play there. And this is where I think he's going to, Cosme could be a really good guard, depending on what they do at tackle in the future. Um, but I don't think the ideal was to move him there this year. They certainly knew they could. And if Turner hadn't been playing well, I think they definitely would have done that maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, but Cosme is a terrific run blocker. He is not, he has not really played guard. He's only played a couple snaps there. So this is going to be something very new to him. But, you know, and when, when you're going, what, 
keep in mind, one of the reasons that Cosme has been rotating with Cornelius Lucas at right tackle is because Cosme still only has use of three fingers in his left hand. That's a problem. So it, it, it certainly inhibits him when if they're trying to you know defend pass rushes and all that. He can block down and he's done really well in the run game, really well in the run game. But in the pass game, it could it could inhibit you um, with with having to if you're having to help down here and try and get your hands on a guy. If you only have the use of three fingers. It's a problem inside. Things are going to happen a lot faster. They're going to happen against bigger fellas. So that's something he's going to have to contend with and get used to. I do like him in there. And again, I think that's where his future, where he could be really good there. And I think he could be a fine right tackle who's a really good run blocker, or he could be a really good guard, um, similar to what Brandon Sheriff was inside there. And I'm not saying he's going to be an all pro, but I think his talent is going to be more suited for that down the road. And so we'll see what happens here. I do like that they're going to try and get their best five linemen on the field. Cornelius Lucas has done a fine job, a solid job at tackle replacing him. So he deserves props for that, but it enables them to then do be a little bit more creative to get their best guys in the field. Instead of taking Lucas off, you can slide Cosme inside now where he can be a big help. And, and I've told you before, when this team looks at their line, the way they look at it in terms of importance, it's left tackle, center, right guard. So right guard becomes that third most important spot for them. And you can you can slide Cosme inside there, and they hope that it would you know certainly solidify it. I don't know that this would be something long term in, in terms of this season, even if Turner if and when Turner comes back, because Turner's done a has been much better lately. When they're going to a lot more power runs inside, I think that fits him. Some of those duo plays, the runs that we saw the last couple of weeks, I think that fits them well. It fits what he and Andrew Norwell do well, and that's what they need to keep doing, to be honest. And so we'll see with Cosme. But anyways, if Turner doesn't go, then Cosme would go inside. And if Turner does go, then Cosme and Lucas would continue to rotate at right tackle. So Chase Young, is this the week? Don't know. So how's that for an answer? He was limited in practice on Wednesday. I was told that he would go more, certainly go full on Thursday and full on Friday so they can see is he displaying the confidence that they need to see in that knee? I'm telling you, there was a lot of optimism about a, a lot of optimism after what they saw last Wednesday in practice. I don't know if they've gone above that level to to where he's going to definitely play on Sunday. I, I certainly could not say that at this point. I think it's still very much up in the air. He needs to show the he needs to show them that he's confident in the knee. Again, this isn't about the health of the knee. It's all up here right now for Chase and not blaming him because this was a severe injury and this is your livelihood. So you're going to have to make sure and they're going to make sure that he's 100% sold because if you're not, then it's going to be difficult to go out there and play the way you need to. So Thursday and Friday will be the days and then we'll go from there. So Friday afternoon, I would say after practice, whether or not they announce it at that time, they're going to have a really good idea about his status in addition to a guy like Benjamin St. Just. So there you go. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and this is something that Bram and I discussed a little bit on the live uh, live stream YouTube show that he and I did Tuesday night. And by the way, if you did listen to it, go back and give it a listen. It's up there. Bram and I covered a lot of topics, looking at the playoff race and assessing the, the top three contenders for those final two spots. And that, of course, would be Washington and the Giants, who are both in right now, and then the Seattle Seahawks. 
The other teams got to do a little bit of work to get back in that discussion. So right now we focus on those teams. And then we talked a lot about Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz, what might happen there. And I'll just, I would just say my, what, what I would expect, even if, Taylor, if, if Heineke goes out there and does not play well Sunday in the lose, I still think he'd be the starter in the second Giants game. And then from there, then, then I think then you're on, pro- my sense would be at that point, you'd be on a week to week leash. But I do think he gets the one game where if they lay an egg, um, that he would continue. Anyway, we also talked about Jahan Dotson's role and why isn't he getting playing more? Why isn't he getting more targets? Well, first of all, they're just not throwing the ball a lot. And you have a lot of guys who need those targets. You want to get Terry McClellan the ball and Curtis Samuel the ball and Logan, Th- Logan Thomas the ball. Then you're going to, you know, they're they're using their backs in the past game, as we saw with Brian Robinson. We saw that with Antonio Gibson. There's just not a lot of stuff to spread around at this point. The other factor was Deami Brown's rise, and mostly as a blocker. He's caught a couple passes, a nice catch the other day, but really his role is, is that he's been really good at too is blocking. And, you know, it's funny because Ron Rivera will talk about guys who go out on special teams and show something there and transfer that to offense. Well, Deami Brown as a rookie was really good on special teams at the end of the year, and they thought maybe that would translate as a receiver. It really didn't last year. He, you know, he, he was more physical on special teams, but I think where you see it is in the run game, and that's one of the reasons why they want to get him on the field. So, for example, in the first four games, he had Deami Brown play 36 snaps. 20 of those were in the fourth game against the Cowboys when they started to decide to run the ball more, coming off – that disastrous Eagles game, they knew they had to start running the ball, so he started playing more then. In the last three games, he's played 35 snaps. So that's something to keep in mind. Dotson's snaps have gone down. Dotson's only had four targets since he's come back. But here's the other factor, and I said this on, you know, this is something that came up as well today, um, is the use of the tight ends. I think Sam Fortier from the Washington Post asked about this um, to Ron Rivera. And so I want, and clearly we've seen a rise in that. How much so? So look at, I'm going to go game by game. First game, they used two tight ends or three tight ends 18 times. Second week, it was four times. Third week, um, seven times. Um, Fourth week, 16 times. Now, so that's when Dotson was playing. They were using a lot of three receiver sets. It was like 49, 67, 67, 55 of three receiver sets. A lot. So that's the point. Now, in the last three weeks since Dotson's returned, let's go by first the number of two or three tight end looks. Against Philly, 29. Against Houston, 26. And against Atlanta, 26. That's going to cut into Dotson's time. Typically, he's going to be out there when there's a three-receiver set. So they've only had – they've had much less three-receiver sets in each of those games. That's why his numbers are going down. This is a run team now. So, and I know some people have asked, was it a wasted pick? No. And Bram and I discussed that on there. No, it wasn't. This kid's going to be good. Um, but I understand, like, you know, and I also don't think they anticipated going this run heavy, given who they had at quarterback or what they thought they were going to do with this offense. Um, but this is the way it's evolved. I still think Dotson's going to be a really good player. Again, when you watch him, the kid gets open, period. Be patient with him. So anyways, I just want to pass it along. And then another thing is one of the benefits of being in the locker room is just, again, the casual chats you can have with players. And Nikki Javala and I were talking today with Jeremy Reeves, just talking about special teams and Tressway. But what's really stood out to me is there's – and one thing that I've talked about this with Jeremy too is 
why this group is really good. And part of it is you have leaders like Jeremy who have been around, like this guy has busted his ass to get to the spot he's in now. It's why he's one of my, I think I really enjoy him as much as anybody just because you know the background of what it took for him to get here, the film study, the the effort. He's not a big guy, so he's got to really think. He's not the most – he's clearly a really good athlete, but comparatively, he's not going to rise to the level of some other guys in that team. So he's really got to study it. So And he really – he's become a – he is a very smart player. And so that's one thing, but you get all that sense with him. But you also hear him talk about guys like Christian Holmes and Percy Butler and the Cam Sims of the world – those guys, and you know, you can throw in guys like David Mayo, who has made a career out of being on special teams. So when you have guys like that on special teams, the veterans like that, and then you get some young guys who I think are kind of hungry and just want to make their name, I think it goes a long way. And I think that's one of the reasons why that those coverage units are so good. But the other thing that was very evident is is Jeremy Reeves's love of of playing with Tress Tress Way because Tress Way you know there's clearly in his mind he's like this guy's clearly the best punter in the NFL and the reason is it's not just about the stats we can all look at stats and see this but the thing with Tress Way and this has always jumped out to me as well is and when you because you hear because he when he talks you hear him talk about this stuff is the number of different ways he's going to approach each punt and how how many, I guess, tools in his toolbox as a punter that he has. And it's he's almost like a golfer. If you think of a high-level golfer off the tee and what they can do with the golf ball, depending on the course, right? If you need a, you need a um, you need to get you have dog leg left here, you got you got to bend it over here. He can do that as a punter. And it's really remarkable because it doesn't happen just out of town. That stuff does not happen. It's good. He's talented with his leg, he's a talented athlete. But he's gotten there because he studies, he watches a lot of film of it, and, and he takes stuff from other punters. And it's funny because one thing I like about him is that we even asked him this summer, like, what if, you know, do people ask you for advice, um, other punters? And he's like, his advice is go do what I did and go watch the film and do and study it the way I did. That's what he'll say. But I like that because he's got his own little secrets, he's, you know, but he takes and he takes and takes. And he works and he works and he works. And he can do, he can, like, there are times where teams are are facing a punter, like, you know, left-footed punter, and they think it's going to come off one way, but he can make it go another. And it's just, it really kind of screws him up. And I think it benefits when you have guys like Reeves who understand, who have been with Tresh for a while, who know where that ball is going to go and can read, he know, and, and way will tell them, like, they they know um, where he's, they're going to, he's going to punt the ball coming out of the huddle. But he also sometimes can anticipate it as well, just because he's played with them for so long. But there's, it's just a camaraderie there, and they're very much in sync. And don't forget, like I'll say this: the special teams are also a key reason why this team has won six out of seven. And it's guys like Tressway and Jeremy Reeves; they deserve some props. Anyway, that's it from me. Big game Sunday, so get yourself ready. So I'm going to do that for you by with by playing my interview, my conversation with ESPN's Jordan Rana. All right, Jordan. So it's been a while since we've chatted. And the last time we talked, I did not see the Giants being seven and four at this point. How about you? two winning teams, John? And when's the last time that's happened with these teams? It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, I, what was Washington in 2016? The final week oh, of the, the season, they game. were trying to make the playoffs. I don't know if they were actually over 500 or not, were they? 
they finished eight, seven, and one. And the Giants, of course, were they made the playoffs, but they won that game to stop them from getting it to stop so, Washington from getting into. Yeah, the that's probably it. Eight, six, and one. I guess they were at that time. The Giants yeah. beat him in the finale when they had nothing to play for. Right. And you remember what happened after that game? Odell Beckham. Oh, the, the boat. Took the boat trip. Right. Yes. Out. Right out of FedEx Stadium, basically. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. You know, there have been a couple of things that have happened here since that game as well. And you may have heard. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. how is this team seven? And, how is this team seven and four? Yeah, they have a recipe for success. And uh, it's worked a lot this year. Don't make mistakes. Stay close into the fourth quarter. Execute in the fourth quarter. You know, run the football. Uh, you know, rely on Daniel Jones to make plays late in games. Uh, they don't have great, ta- greatly talented team. We know that. The roster is, is certainly limited. Uh, they have holes all over the place. Now, they've gotten beat up over the past few weeks, and they played hot, better competition, and you sort of saw a market correction, right? Because let's, let's think about it, John. The reality is you're not going to win every close game. And they were. They were winning every close game. They had – uh, four fourth quarter comebacks in, in you know the first six wins, right? They were undefeated in uh, you know games decided by eight points or less. So yeah, they were like six and zero or seven and zero at one point. But then, and so eventually that's going to correct. But you know they're able to run the ball. They're able to do enough defensively. At least when they were healthy, they were. It has been a little struggle the last uh, three out of four weeks, minus the Texans game because they don't really count as an NFL team at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they've played pretty well defensively. They blitz the heck out of you. Wink Martindale, everything you saw in Baltimore, same thing here, same applies here, including the fact that when he doesn't have cornerbacks, you start seeing bad things happen, which is what's happened the last couple of weeks. And run the football, Saquon Barkley. That's their offense. They have no other weapons. Like It's amazing. You their wide receiver core, you'll be like, who are these guys? I mean, literally. It's amazing what they, what, how little talent they have at the receiver core. Now, let's stick on the, let's stick on defense real quick, though. Because, okay. you know, the, I, what I'm curious, too, is the health of this team, because that's a big question. That was a question last yeah. week and a big question now. So where are they at in terms of health? How many guys might be missing for Sunday as we tape this on Tuesday? Yeah, we'll see how it progresses as the week comes along. But last week, remember, they're playing on the short week. They're playing right. on Thanksgiving. So they get really beat up in the game on Sunday, then have to play on Thursday. So they lose a bunch, you know, six starters from that game on the Sunday then did not play. They had six new starters by Thursday. So that, that's a ridiculous turnaround. But in general, the Giants had a couple guys that were getting very close. Right tackle Evan Neal, uh, tight end Daniel Bellinger, and uh, outside linebacker Zizo Jolari. Three of their better players, starters. I mean, Evan Neal hasn't played great as a rookie. But, uh, you know, three guys that are, are meaningful players to this team are – likely to return or getting close to returning this week. Then you got a couple more. You got their starting left guard and Ben Bredesen. You could have as many as six or seven starters returning for the Giants this week. Now, I'm not saying they're all going to start. You know, they've some of them have missed. You know, Zizo Jolari has basically missed a whole right. most of the year. You know, he has like two calf injuries. He really hasn't played much. So, yeah, he's probably like a situational pass rusher. But they're getting back a lot of their guys for this game. Potentially, by the way, three-fifths of their offensive line. So that should help, especially in the run game. Even the, even when they're healthy, they're not a great pass-blocking team. So if they have to get into pass-blocking situations against this Washington front, they're in trouble. But the run game, that that's the strength of pretty much everyone on their offensive line. That's where you can see them do some serious damage. 
defensively, where where are the trouble spots there? Well, they were down their top two cornerbacks. So right. Dory Jackson's not coming back for this game. So really, they don't have a number one cornerback. Uh, yeah, Fabian Moreau's coming back, but he's Fabian Moreau. This team knows played, him well, or these fans yeah, know him well. He's played pretty well this season for a guy who was a waiver claim at the beginning, or actually might have been signed off free agent as a free agent. He was to the practice squad, actually. But that, the, the, you know, so Terry McLaurin has a good matchup, whether Fabian Moreau comes back or not, right? right? right. Uh, that That's a huge problem for the secondary, really all around because they've also lost Xavier McKinney, who he's got a, you know, mangled hand. He's not coming back this week. Uh, so really, you know, you could say three quarters of their starting secondary is not healthy. Uh, Darnay Holmes in the slot has struggled, as you saw on Thanksgiving, as he, yes. you know, got flagged left and right, the, the trifecta of flags. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's where you start with middle linebacker, inside linebacker, the Giants are starting Jalen Smith. Remember Jalen Smith? Yeah, that's Jalen Smith. Yeah. He's starting at middle linebacker, and that's where they're at at that spot. So those are problematic spots. The defensive front is where they're better. Dexter right. Lawrence is a beast. He's played amazing this year. Uh, almost at an all-pro level. Uh, Leonard Williams is a quality player. Kayvon Thibodeau is coming off his best game. He, he's been pretty good, even though he only has one sack. Uh, so that's the strength of the defense. But there's plenty to exploit there. I mean, Running on the edges against the Giants has been a huge problem. They're not even a good run defense, even though they have a good interior, like I just mentioned. And it's funny because their numbers aren't good against the run. You're right. No, because you can run at the edges. They play a lot. You know, a lot of teams are in nickel a lot. You can run at that at the nickel cornerback and their cornerbacks. Uh, if you're just going to – and I know Washington does do a lot of, you know, power runs up the middle. Yeah. If you were going to do that, that's not the way to success against the team. The way to success is to use speed, get to the edges – and make big plays on the edges in the run game against them. I think they, they are with Gibson, uh, they can attack the edges with Robinson. They love to run inside. So they do have the ability to do that. And I think they would. So, you know, I think that'd be something to watch offensively. Danny dimes. That's your guy. So where, where is he? I'm the conductor. I I know you are. I know you are. And I, (laughs) and it's, it's, you know, it's funny because people always, it seems like he gets judged every game. But you look at the receiving talent, like, I don't know how any quarterback has a chance there, you know, outside yeah. of, like, play action. It's true. I mean, that's how they hit their plays. I mean, he's he's doing a lot of the damage with his legs. I'm not just talking about running. I'm talking about making plays. Like, a, they're not a great pass protection team. And, B, who's he throwing to? Right. I mean, literally, uh, Marcus Johnson was a midseason waiver claim. He started a game. David Sills, the guy who's been on, on and off the practice squad for years, he started games. Isaiah Hodgins is now starting for them. He was claimed three or four weeks ago, John. He's starting for them at wide receiver. Kenny Galladay is an afterthought. He barely plays. Plays like, a, you know, he'll play like 15, 20 snaps and do pretty much nothing. Still hasn't caught a touchdown pass with the Giants. Amazing. Uh, yeah, he's a totally, lot of money. totally shot, getting paid $18 million a year. Uh, not doing much. but So that's where they're at. And so it's Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones who's basically played pretty well. You look at QBR. I think he, I don't know where he is right now, but going into this last week against the Cowboys, he was ninth. So you're talking about a top 10 quarterback in QBR when he's playing with very little. I mean, it's Saquon Barkley, and that's it. And so he's actually played really well this year. Turnovers are significantly right. down. I think he's got four interceptions, uh, two fumbles. So 
six turnovers in 11 games. That's, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, who's over his career averaged, you know, well over a turnover a game. He's at, you know, basically half a turnover a game. So it's, that's a huge difference. The offense is obviously much better uh, schematically. You know, it, it, they're, they're setting him up to succeed, not fail. How, how so? Because I was going to ask you about how he's cut down on those turnovers, especially the interceptions. How, yeah. how has that scheme helped him do that in Dable in particular? A lot of, especially when they play like a team like the Cowboys. You probably see it here against Washington as well because they have a good front and they can get after the passer. Uh, moving the pocket, using his legs, uh, hitting teams a lot with a ton, a lot more play action, uh, motion. I know it sounds like a simple thing, but Jason Garrett Jason was did. like Mr. Anti-Motion, basically, you know. So to- real simple things. But they, they're just – the way they run their offense is smart. You watch it, it makes sense. Everything about it makes sense. Mike Kafka's done a pr- – and, and Brian Dave. I know the numbers. You look at it you're like, what are you talking about? The 25th-ranked offense is doing well. Yeah, like that's – look at what they have on offense. They've right. actually done a pretty good job. Like when they need it, they're able to create and make plays. And that's the thing, like, and that's why I don't like looking at stats to measure offense growers. You look at the talent, what you're doing with that talent. And I, and again, I look at that rush. I'm like, it's everything you say is like, <laughs> I still don't yeah. know. I asked you how they said, I still don't know how they've won seven games. I mean, it's been a remarkable job. And what in those. Imagine games, what we thought when they were seven and two, John. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, throw your hands up. You're like, it's going to regress eventually, and now they're playing a much harder part of the schedule, which will make it interesting because it's basically going to come down to I, – I can't see anyone else getting to nine or ten wins except for the Giants, Washington, and Seattle. Right. Right? And I looked at Washington's schedule. Their schedule's pretty tough down the stretch. Yeah. Especially when you consider Cleveland now has Deshaun Watson coming back. I, and then the Giants, look, they play Washington twice, Philly twice, Minnesota, and Indy. So – I mean, yes, Indy might be is, – is not not the hardest game. But the other five are tough games. So it's it's going to be a real grind. Somebody's getting in with nine, in my opinion. Oh, I I definitely think that. It could be both those teams, though, depending, on what, Seattle, depending on what Seattle does. And the funny thing with Indy, we say that and laugh at them, but yet they play close games. I mean, they, they had yeah. this team. They, could, they had the Eagles. And then, you know, um, against the Steelers, they, well, they laid an egg, but still, like, that's a, it, it was still close. Was, they had a chance yeah, to tie at the end. Right, right. But so the Giants are not good enough where they, you can, they can go into any game these days, maybe Houston, and be like, okay, they're going to win this game. Like, every game's going to be a slog for them. They're not explosive enough to go in and say they're definitely going to win this game. I mean, that, that's, these two games with Washington are going to be very interesting. Uh, the Giants absolutely 100% need at least one of them. And then from a Washington perspective, they need one, maybe two, I guess, right? I think I think if Washington can split, they're in good shape, you know? And I think – but then it comes down to what Seattle does as well. But I think if Washington get a yeah. good split, you know, I think – and I think they need – The Giants lose a tiebreaker to Seattle right now. They went out there and got handled pretty that's right. easily. Oh, that's right. So. That's right. So – yeah, that does factor into it for the Giants. And I also wonder about Seattle staying power, but they also have a softer schedule down the stretch because they, have I think the, they got the Rams just, twice, I think. Yeah, and how? I mean, you look at the NFC East. I mean, I put out the stat like two years ago, the record was just abysmal, and now it's the best record in the NFL. I mean, it's just yeah. imagine like this team is seven and five and in last place. 
I'm pretty sure when I talked to you at the beginning of the year, I said I thought this division would be better than uh, yeah. than than everybody expected. Part of that, John, it's a huge portion of the NFL. The schedule was set up. They had a super, yes. they, you know, when you looked at strength of schedules, the four NFC East teams yep. were near the top, yep. right? They got to play the AFC South, yes. which isn't very good. They got to play the NFC North, which aside from Minnesota, as turned out, isn't very good, right? So, but I mean, Detroit yeah. took care of these teams. Ironically. True. So. True. But in, in general, the division isn't great. Right. I mean, right. the only team with a winning record is the Vikings, and nobody even thinks the Vikings are legit. Right. So Sa- Saquon Barkley, we're not him. What you know, this guy is playing at a different level. And and obviously he had the, the injury and all that, but is there what's going on with him? Is there something different other than just being healthy? Because this is the seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the best he's played since he's come in the NFL. Well, that was the case. It's kind of tailed off here. You look at three of the last four games. So the question around Saquon is now, is he wearing down? Because the Giants have used him at uh, 82, 83% of their offensive snaps this year. Think about that. That's an insane number for a running back. There is nobody even close in the NFL. I mean, you look at a guy like Derrick Henry who carries the load for his team. He's under 70% of the team's total snaps because at least – he goes out on passing downs, you know, Don Hoyer comes in. Saquon's playing 82, 83% of the Giants' offensive snaps this year. Their offense is built around him, and he was. He was running harder, faster, really, than I had ever seen. Uh, and that's why you saw the breakout from now. I, I don't think – I think, you know, there's still something left in him. The offensive line getting healthier is going to help him out. But, uh, yeah, he's played at a really high level this year. The numbers have dipped, so that you're you're catching him right now at the right time. But still, the game plan, and that's that's part of the problem, is that every team comes in, they're like, okay, stop, stop Saquon. Saquon. Yeah. That's all we care about. Okay, you we'll leave you one on one. Beat us one on one. You know, like yeah, Darius Slayton could win some one on ones, but we'll still we'll take our chances. You know that you guys they they can't win consistently one on one, and 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 that's proven to be true. And I, that's the thing is because our teams. I know that you had the stat that in the we. I think we we ran a story on the ESP or the MVP candidates, and Barkley was one of those guys. And you had yeah. the stat. I think that he has he faced the most eight man boxes percentage wise. Is that going? Up? It's close. He's up there for sure. I mean, it's climbing and climbing. So I don't that, know where it's at right now, but he's definitely in the top three. I mean, teams are just like, okay, you know, try and try and pass the ball. We beg you to go out. And the Giants have actually come out the last couple of games and tried to pass right. the ball early. And it actually, I think, has negatively affected the run game. Because what they had done is they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, even if there was no success early. And it seemed to have paid dividends later in games, right? Wearing down teams. That that was a real thing. Now they, they say, okay, everyone's stacking the box. They tried a couple of times to come out early and hit some big plays. And then the running game never got going, and you're not wearing the other team down. So it's a real fine line. I expect the Giants to come out in this game and just – and I thought this last week, and they didn't do it against Dallas. Right. Just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. But that's their – if they don't, then they're they're only hurting themselves because that's their be- that's their best way. That's the formula that this team won early in the year. That's really the only way they can win because they're not built to win any other way. You know, Jordan, after talking to you, because I, I as I think you know, I get this game wrong every year when it's in New York. Except for last year, I did pick Washington to win, but it seems like 
Every time. Well, usually you should just pick the Giants. They do. They have had a ton of success against them. It's weird. And especially there. Yeah. And and especially there that like, you know, and despite all, it's always like every time this team goes up there and they're playing the Giants, they're in some sort of disrepair. They've lost a couple in a row. They're one in three and Eli's getting this. And then they go out and beat him. And then this guy and Daniel Jones turns the ball over a ton. Then he doesn't against these guys. So it's, it's always something weird, but you know, we'll see. So Jordan, yeah, you got a last word? Yeah, I don't know how much that applies right now because everything changes, right? This is a new yes. coaching staff again, and, you know, the schemes change. The Giants are playing completely new schemes. So, again, I don't think it really applies. It's just one of those things you just can't put your finger on, but Correct. it just no, is, you know. You can't. So, Jordan, thanks a lot for coming on and look forward to seeing you on Sunday, man. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jordan for joining me and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back with my keys and predictions that will likely be out on YouTube, especially on Sunday, excuse me, Saturday morning and maybe late Friday night or early Saturday morning uh, on the podcast. So there you go. There may be a bonus podcast on Friday morning. Can't guarantee it. Hoping to talk to a player. If I do, we'll put one out. If not, I will talk to you with my keys and predictions again Friday night, Saturday morning. So I will talk to you next time.